0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. What's up, Rhodes family? It's great to see you all this morning. Great to have you watching online, all of you in our online family, online community. Hope you had a great Christmas and got everything that uh, you wanted. Uh, Hope your Christmas hangover's not too strong from all the family activities and hanging out with people, trying to take down the decorations and all the things that go with it. But we're so glad to be with you as we look forward to 2019. Hard to believe we're getting ready to move into 2019. It seems like about a week ago, we were getting ready for our prayer and fasting time, talking about what God's going to do in 2018. And here we are, launching into 2019. It's just amazing how fast time Goes by, But we're going to spend some time today, we're getting ready to start a new series today called Reboot. Reboot. So it's something we're going to do at the end of this year, going into, into 2019, we're going to reboot in our lives. And we're going to talk about what that means. And so if you get your sermon notes out, you can open up your Bibles on your UVersion Bible app. You can follow along there as well. I've got sermon notes available. Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Woo! Just happy about the Bible, excited about what God is doing in our life, cheering for Jesus. That's what we're doing. Whenever we open up God's Word, it is the best thing we could ever hear, God's Word. So anyway, we want to talk about this at the end of the end of every year. Usually on the last Sunday, if you're a part of the Rhodes family, you've been here for a while, every year on about the last Sunday of the year, we've spent some time doing two things. One, we reflect back on the previous year and what God has done in our lives and what he's brought us through, and we kind of reflect on that a little bit. And then we start to look forward and look into what he's going to do and what he has for us to experience in 2019. So we do a little bit of reflecting back and, and then looking ahead. And so this is what we're going to do today. I just there's a couple of things that I want to highlight for 2018. These are church-specific items. There could be a ton of things, I know me individually. Uh, God did in 2018 that I could talk about and that you could talk about, but just a few things I wanted to highlight uh, from our church for 2018 as we reflect back. One of the things that doesn't get a lot of press, but it's one of the most important things we do as a church, is our food pantry. Jesus loves to take care of those in, that are poor, those that are in need. And our church does a fantastic job at the food pantry. If you've never been involved or not served in the pantry, I encourage you to check that out. You'd love being a part of it. Here's some statistics of what you were able to do to help people in in 2018. This past year, we serviced or helped or fed 3,233 families, which translates into individually 9,397 people. Now, I divided that out in the sermon notes. I I got it wrong because I just divided by 52, but I forgot our, our pantry's not open, but just the first three weekends of every month. So roughly, that turns out to be around 80 families or 240 people every weekend that we're open that we're taking care of. 80 families, 240 people coming through, getting free food, getting clothing, taking care of them every single weekend that we're open. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Helping people, reaching through the pantry. What an opportunity. Our connect groups in 2018, they just took off In the spring semester, we had 271 people in 27 groups. In our fall semester that we just got done with, we had 349 people in 31 groups and 122 people attended both semesters. So this last fall, we had almost 350 people out of our church that are actively involved in a connect group. That's a great Great testimony for what God's done from when we first started to where we are now. People building relationships. We talked about it. We do life together. Getting ready to launch our next semester coming up. So I encourage you, get plugged into a connect group. You're going to meet people. You're going to connect with people. You're going to find out people have a lot of things going on in life in common with you. You can disciple one another, learn. Just a great opportunity to grow the church and grow relationships. So I encourage you to plug in to our connect groups. Uh, Oh, and one other small thing. You know, we had 246 people, adults and children, respond to a salvation opportunity, make fresh starts, make Jesus Lord of their life. 246 people said yes to Jesus in 2018. That's just the ones that we know of that we were able to quantify. We had 46 people get water baptized in 2018. It's just exciting times what God's doing spiritually. Oh, and also on one side note, we just kind of changed the name of the church. Also, we kind of did that in 2018. So it's been a big year. It's been a great year in 2018 in some ways. It's been a challenging year in others. There's some things were really, really difficult about 2018, and there's some things were fantastic about 2018, and that's what we're going to talk about today. In 2019, as we reach forward, a couple of things that are coming up for us, again, as a church, we're officially launching our first additional campus in Mount Carmel, Illinois. We're going to start, we're going to have our interest meeting here at the church next Sunday night, so I encourage you to be a part of that, January 6th, and then we're going to have our first launch interest meetings in Mount Carmel at Wabash Valley College February 10th and February 17th. So it's here. We've talked about it a lot. We've talked about it for years, and now it's here. We're going to move into this next stage in 2019. We're reaching forward by saying yes to going and building God's kingdom in Mount Carmel. And we just keep reaching. Why? Because one of our core values as a church is that we're not building our kingdom, we're building his kingdom. This is why we keep, keep reaching, because it's bigger than us. It's not about us. We could stay in our nice little church here in North City and, and take care of ourselves and just celebrate what God's doing here. That's great. But no, no, we feel like God has challenged us to take the gospel to the entire region of Southern Illinois, and we're going to keep reaching because it's about building his kingdom. God's number one priority in the world is people. He loves him some people. And so we have to love people because he wants to reach them. This is his priority. This is what he wants us to focus on. So we're going to do that. We're going to continue to reach for people through our connect groups, dream team, our services, our online community. Continue to reach out. I was talking to someone over the holidays. said, man, I just want to thank you for the live streaming. I watch every week from Minnesota. I'm like, from North City, we're reaching Minnesota. We're reaching people all around the world. So just we're going to keep expanding that. just want to say thank you to Jesus for the impact that we don't even know. Just sitting in this room, you don't know the people that God is touching because of your generosity. So we just want to keep leaning into that. It's a new day. It's a new year. So we're just excited about that. We're reflecting back and we're reaching forward. So let's look here in Philippians chapter 3. It's going to be a familiar verse for some of you, but some things that I felt like God wanted me to highlight and pull out, hopefully will be a fresh uh, application for you of this verse. In Philippians chapter three, this is Paul writing to a church, the apostle Paul writing to a church in Philippi that he started. And he says here, and I'm going to jump in verse verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to grab hold of something or to say I've got it all together. I've, I've figured it all out. I, I do not... I don't want to give that impression that I count myself to have already apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now look what he says there in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing. One thing I do. One thing I do. I like how he says one thing I do, then he goes on to mention two things. He says, he says, this one thing I do, look, what, what is the one thing? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward and reaching forward. He said it was one thing. But he said, one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and, 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 that seems like another thing, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. How could. Two things be one thing. I think it's because Paul's wanting to give a principle to us that we need to apply in our life as believers that one vital characteristic that we need as followers of Jesus, he puts it all in one thing. They go together because they're necessary, they're partners, they work together, that we're able to forget things in the back and behind us and reach forward in front of us. He said that's one characteristic you need to have. You need to be somebody that can forget and reach forward. He calls it as one, one characteristic. So let's see what that means to forget. Because in, in transition from 2018, we're going to have to do both of these things. We're going to, have to forget some things and reach forward to some new things. And you say, uh, if, I, if I say, okay, God's wanting us to forget some things about 2018, you may say, well, the first thoughts that come to my head are, well, you'll never be able to forget that. You can't forget that. It's impossible. You can't forget what they said to you. You can't forget what they've done to you. You can't forget what happened. There's no way that was awful, that thing. that You can't forget that. What do you mean telling me to forget things? Well, it's it's important that we understand what the word means. That's why we understand how to look up things in the Bible. So the word forget in the Greek language is a word that means this. So if, if God's telling us to forget something, it's something we can do. Can I encourage you with this? God will never ask us to do something that we cannot do. We may not know how. It may be a little challenge. It may be a little bit of a stretch. But he says, "I want you to forget some things." And you're thinking of some things right now that you're like, "Chad, there is no way I can forget that." Hold on. Let's see what he says. The word "forget" means to lose out of mind. He didn't say lose your mind. He said lose out of mind. Losing out. Of, lose. Lose my mind. Already done. Check. Got that. God. But to lose out of mind, neglect or to overlook. To neglect or overlook. He's not saying it's not there. He's not a- asking us to pretend it didn't happen. He's not telling us to ignore it. He says, I want you to neglect it. Or the word that jumped out of me that I felt like God wanted me to highlight is the word overlook. I want you to overlook it. I want you to overlook the things that are behind you, the things that have already happened, the things that are in your rearview mirror. I want you to overlook them. And and so I began to look at it. What does that mean? That word over means across a barrier or intervening space. He he said, I want you to overlook it, two words, over and look, overlook. So I switched them around. He said, I want you to look over. I want you to look over, look over the barrier or intervening space. I want you to look over something. I, I know it's there. I know it's significant, but I, I'm asking you to do something, Chad. I'm asking you to look over it. I'm like, God, what are you talking about? It's like every once in a while, every once in a while, there's some advantages to being a little taller than other people. <laughs> Not all the time. Every once in a while, I run to people and say, man, I wish I was your title. I'm like, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> It's not always great. But every once in a while, it's handy. Like you're in a crowd of people, you know, and you're standing there looking around. People will come up and say, hey, can you find so-and-so for me? (laughs) Hang on. Yeah, there they are. They're right over there. Thank you. Every once in a while, it comes in handy. Because you can see things that others can't see because they got stuff in the middle. And this is what I felt like God was asking me of, and I'm passing it on to you, that there's certain things in your life that you've got to learn to look over. Illustrate it for you this way. Sometimes when you're down this level, you can't see everything. I can't see everybody. Some of you are blocking other people. When you're down on this level, some things are a barrier to seeing the whole picture. When you're down a little lower, you can't see everything. You got circumstances in front of you, and all you can see is what's happening to you right now, what's going on in your life, what they said to you, what they're doing, the struggles, the problems, the trials. All I can see is that, right? That what God's saying, I don't want you to pretend it's not there. I'm not asking asking you to ignore it. I'm not asking you to act like it's not a big bother. I'm just asking you to look over it. I want you to rise above it and see something that you can't see when we're all twisted up in the game of what's happening in the immediate. He's asking us to take a step up and begin to look from God's perspective. None of you changed, but my perspective changed. And once my perspective changed, I see things I couldn't see a while ago. I see things that were hidden from me before. It was there all alone. I see you there in the back row. I I couldn't see you a while ago. But now when my perspective changed, I begin to see things that I couldn't see before. This is why Ephesians says this. God says that he raised us up together with Christ and has seated us in heavenly places. That means when we get bogged down in the minutia of issues in life every once in a while we got to remember where we're seated with Christ and begin to look at that thing from a different perspective and begin to look over. Doesn't mean I don't have problems. Doesn't mean I don't have issues. It doesn't mean I don't have problems in my confidence or in my abilities. It doesn't mean I don't have discouraging thoughts. It doesn't mean I don't have disappointments. He just says, "I want you to look over them." Because this is what he asked Jesus to do. If you'll remember, Jesus had the same problem. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was down here and all he could see in front of him was the cross. All he could see was the cat of nine tails, a whip, that someone was going to beat him 39 times. So bloody, so gory that his flesh was going to be opened up like a plow. All he could see was a crown of thorns being pushed down on his head so severely that his blood just gushed from his forehead. All he could see was being hung there, nails pierced right through his hands, driven through his skin into a post. That's all he could see. And so in the garden he praised these words, God, if there's any other way, If there's any way around this thing, please, I'm asking you. I'm looking for it. Is there any other way to bring redemption to mankind? Is there any other way? All I can see is the cross, but your Bible says. That Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured this because he saw that. He didn't say the cross wasn't there. He didn't ignore the cross. He didn't pretend it wasn't there. He didn't say, "Well, I'm sure glad I'll never have to go to the cross." He said, "I see something bigger. I'm looking over the cross and I'm seeing Chad Everett." <laughs> He's seeing you. And all your issues and he said, "I'll take it. I'll take it for them." He looked over. There's some things that we need to look over doesn't mean it's not painful. doesn't mean it's not a difficult situation to walk through. It just means we've got to see something bigger than where we are. we got to see something that's going to compel us to move forward through adversity, through tragedy. And this is what God's saying. Forget some things in 2018. Yeah. I'm not saying don't remember them. I'm saying look over. Yeah. See the good that's ahead that you couldn't see before. Because all you see is what happened and the pain of it. God says, hey, hey, come on, lift your eyes up. Begin to see things from my perspective. I can stay there a little longer, but we gotta move on. <laughs> see things from his perspective. Forget all those things which are behind. Now, now when I say that, it doesn't mean we forget everything. We don't forget the victories and we don't forget the lessons. Sometimes we can make some, how, how do we call it? Let's let's say some boo-boos, <laughs> some blunders, some mistakes. John Maxwell says this sometimes in life we win and sometimes we learn. Whatever you go through in life, make sure you do one of those two things. You either win the situation or you learn from the situation. Don't, you never lose. You never lose. Why? You have a say so on whether you lose or not. A righteous person may get knocked down seven times, but as long as they keep arising and keep learning and moving forward. So we got to forget some things that are behind. And then he says to reach forward. So the second part, we're forgetting things behind. We're reaching forward. What does reach forward means? to stretch forward, to extend or reach towards some goal. We've got to reach towards a goal. Things that are in front of us, there's a goal ahead. There has to be a goal. Can I just pass along some inspiration for us? If we're going to live victoriously as followers of Jesus, we have to have something we're reaching for have to have something we're stretching for. We cannot be complacent. We have to keep pressing towards something ahead of us instead of living in what's behind us. Got to keep reaching for it. Got to keep stretching. Notice what it says about stretching. With things we stretch or reach for, that means if we have to stretch or reach for it, it means it's uh, currently out of our reach. It requires stretching or reaching, extending beyond what is comfortable. It's like, you know, when you first get up out of bed or or maybe you go to the gym or something and and you you feel like you need to stretch out. When you first start to stretch, you're like, okay, that's uncomfortable right there. But if you'll keep stretching and if you're willing to go past the point of initial discomfort, you will begin to reach lower lower. Than what you initially could, ow, 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 ow. If you just keep going, then you'll be able to reach. But there's that point of stretching where you make a decision. Which is more important to me? The goal I am reaching for or the discomfort that's trying to hold me back? There's always going to be something that's going to try and convince you to quit. It's gonna try and be the loudest voice in your head that says, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Oh, you don't go, don't do that. Don't go for that. Don't, but you've gotta have a goal that says, I'm touching my toe, baby. <laughs> Whatever your goals are. Hopefully they're bigger goals than that, but that's just where I'm at right now. <laughs> you gotta have a goal that you gotta stretch for, but you gotta be willing to go past uncomfort. I've got my friend here, Fireman Freddie. This is one of Lucas's toys. He has two of these. One of them's a military soldier guy, and he has the fireman. I like this military soldier guy better. So I said, Hey, Lucas, can I take the uh, soldier guy to use it at church? And he said, He likes the soldier guy better. He said, um, You can take the fireman. I said, But yeah, but I like the soldier guy better. He said, uh, I think you'll like the fireman better. So, <laughs> so this is one we have. So, so I, want, I want to illustrate this with with Fireman Freddie here. If you look at Freddie's reach, that is what his comfortable reach is. This is as far as he can reach. That's comfortable. There's no tension in the arms. He's not stressing. But he could say, I'm reaching at this level right here. It would be, it would be agreeable. It would be accurate for him to say, I'm reaching out. But now, he could say, I can't reach any further, but, but here's what God says. There's a difference between comfortable reaching and capable reaching. <laughs> That's fresh. I didn't have that first service. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So here, But there's a difference between comfortable reach and capable reach. Because this person, we'll say Freddie here, says, this is as far as I can reach. I know something Freddie doesn't know. Because I know what Freddie's made of, I know that he can reach beyond that. Now, if I didn't know what Freddie was made of, I might be afraid to start stretching him a little bit more. And he says, this is as far as I can reach. But if I start, hey, 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 look how far Freddie can reach. But I want you to notice something. There is tension in Freddie's arms. He is uncomfortable. This stretch, it's, it's, this was comfortable. This, not so much. You can even hear. You can hear him. This is stretching. He's stretching. Ah, What are you doing? This is crazy. Ah." (laughs) Yes, I'm a ventriloquist on the side. But no, this is what happens. Feel this. Hear Hear what God's saying. Because I know what he's made of, I can go beyond boundaries. Some of you are nervous, like right now you're thinking, you're going to snap his arms, don't snap him, Stop him, Stop him. You're going to break him. That's what we do to God. When God starts stretching us about right here, we're like, oh, no, God, I can't stretch anymore. I can't take anymore. But because God knows what you're made of, because God knows what he put on the inside of you, He said, oh, you can go farther. We're screaming right here. Oh, stop it, God. I can't. No human being, we get all melodramatic on God. No human being could ever go through what I'm going through. It's the worst. I know. Here's some more. (laughs) Like, dude, what's up? Why? It's because God knows if I'm willing to go through greater discomfort, I'm going to be capable of reaching new limits. But if I'm not willing to go through the discomfort, I'm going to be limited to how far I can reach and what I can grab hold of. God's saying that, listen, your level, your willingness to experience discomfort is going to determine the extent of which you can reach in your life. Our level of effectiveness it's going to be directly related and corresponding with the amount of discomfort we're willing to endure. Amen. But we don't like discomfort. We like to stay right here in our little wheelhouse. We like to be comfortable. Do you know one of the greatest diseases in the body of Christ is comfort? And we all suffer from it. We all deal with it. We all have that sense of, you know what, I just want to do what comes natural, what comes easy. But God's not in the comfort business. God's not so much concerned as I am about my comfort. He is much more concerned with my growth and my reach, my capacity. He's much more interested in how far I can reach than he is about how much it hurts me to do it. He sees the end goal as more important. So I'm asking today, what are you reaching for? How uncomfortable are you? How uncomfortable are you willing to be? Rhodes Church, I'm asking you, how uncomfortable are you willing to be in 2019? It's really the heart of God to make sure we never become a people that embraces comfort. That's why some people get annoyed sometimes with the way I do things because I'm always challenging. I'm always pushing something new. I'm always bringing something new to the table. It's because God never wants us to be comfortable. I said, God, never allow me to be a part of a place that says we're fine where we are. We've got to go forward. We've got to stretch forward. We've got to reach. Why? Because the heart of heaven is over billions of people that still don't know Jesus. What are we doing about it? Well, I just like my little life. Well, who cares about my little life? I want to stretch and reach people that are far from God. We can't reach them right here, but we can reach them if we stretch a little farther. This is what God's saying. I want you to reach forward on the things that are ahead. Now, what are we stretching for? What are we reaching for? Look at verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the goal. Everybody say Goal. What is the goal? What are we stretching for? What are we reaching for? That word goal is a Greek word, skopos, which means the terminal point in a race, the end. The end of a race. We press towards the goal. And that word Greek, uh, Greek word is also where we get our word scope, like on a rifle. Skopos. It means the end of a race, and it's where we get our word scope. What does that mean? That means that God's asking us to scope in on our target what we're running our race for, the heavenly goal, the heavenly prize, and everything else on the outside of that does not mean anything because I got my eye fixed on the prize. I know what I'm after. I know why I'm breathing oxygen every day. I know what God has for me. I'm going after it. He says, set your goal. Set your focus on the prize of the high calling, of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says, that word "call." It's an invitation. It's an invitation. You know why we use the word invitation? Because God's not into demanding things. I don't know what your perspective is on God, but it's very important for you to understand that God's not a demander, he's an offerer. God doesn't demand followers, he invites followers. He doesn't require your love, he invites your love. And this call on your life is an invitation. The call on your life right now, sitting here listening to me or watching online, the call on your life is an invitation. It's not a requirement. Not every invitation is going to be returned. Not every invitation is going to be responded to. You ever been invited to a party and you didn't show up? Yeah. Happens all the time. Well, God's inviting you into your calling and it's up to us whether we show up or not. He's inviting us to stretch. But we can resist and say, no, I don't want to be uncomfortable. But it's an invitation. And he said, I want your goal to be that you are pursuing after. Look at the Passion Translation. Let me read it out of here. The Passion Translation says this, I don't depend on my own strength. Man, there's no way I could do it. I can't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I love how it phrases this. I forget all of the past. I look over it. As I fasten my heart, fasten it's attached to the future. Instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize to the anointing of Jesus. We got to be reaching for our heavenly goals. We got to have heavenly goals. One of the things that that I think trips up the church or trips up even the world is they get the idea that Satan wants us to be devil worshipers. I don't think that's his priority. I don't think that's his number one goal. I think his best goal is to get any focus off of God. In other words, so we don't have heavenly goals anymore, we have earthly goals. Too many times in our life, we're running, we're scoping after the prize, after the target, and we don't know that the prize or the target is the wrong goal. And not till we get to the end of our life, and we get there... And we think we've arrived, and all of a sudden, when you get at the end of your life, if you're ever with someone at the end of their life, when they begin to give the narrative of their life, and they begin to go through the values of the things that are important, none of them want to talk about working overtime. None of them want to talk about another vacation. None of them want to talk about their investments in their 401K. All of them want to talk about family people, the people they touched, the people they reached, and they want to talk about what did they do with God. What heavenly goals are we pursuing? What are we stretching for? doesn't mean we don't accomplish thing, anything in the world. It's just all of them have that heavenly perspective on it. So now we're rebu- rebooting in 2019. It's about looking over the things of 2018 and looking ahead for 2019. Here's what we're going to talk about. Have you ever had a device, electronic device? that wasn't working pre- correctly, and you call technical support. What's the first thing they ask you? It's like, have you rebooted it? Have you started over? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I turned it off and turned it back on, and that's why I'm calling you. But this rebooting, here's what rebooting means. All right, this is what we got to do for 2019. This is a word that God put in my heart. Reboot means to shut down and restart a computer, a device, or a program. To start up again after closing or shutting down, to boot up again. Two key facets of rebooting. Put them there in your notes. You can't have a full reboot without both of these, okay? This is what we need. Number one, you got to close or shut something down. Power something off. Rebooting involves closing or shutting down or powering some things off. Number two, you have to restart or power back up. It's not a reboot if you just shut down. Power off. You got to turn the power back on. So, this is what we're talking about. Let's look at the first one closing or shutting down. This is where the Bible talks about forgetting. We're forgetting those things which are behind. Closing or shutting down. Forgetting is about turning the power off to certain things that are running that we don't want running. We got two different kinds of memory in a computer RAM and ROM. And I'm not tr- pretending to be a computer genius, I just read some things. <laughs> I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. But anyway, so <laughs> it's bad. So we got RAM, which is more of our short-term temporary memory, and a ROM is more of our long-term memory. And so a reboot, a lot of times, will shut some things down in our temporary that are not running right. Any of you ever had a computer, whether you've got a Mac or a PC, if you're on a Mac and your system locks up, you get that rainbow circle that sits there and spins, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're on a PC, you get that hourglass just sits there and you're trying to click and all of a sudden it's locked up, so you think clicking louder and banging the mouse somehow solves the problem, and none of that works, so your system is locked up. What do you need to do? You need to shut it down. You need to reboot it, because something that's running right now is clogging up or causing problems in your operating system. This is what God is saying to me, and he's wanting to pass along here, is that there's some things that get running in our programs that are locking us up in our life, that we need to shut them down. There's voices we're listening to, lies we're listening to, voices from other people that we're listening to, that we need to shut them down and power them off. What lies are we listening to that's created thoughts that are not from God? What lies are we listening to that have created beliefs that are not from God? What lies are we listening to that have created behaviors that are not from God? We need to turn the power off to those things that are not of God and shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking up memory. They're taking up operating speed. They're, they're bogging your system down. They're bogging my system down. I can't operate the way I'm supposed to operate until I shut down these programs that are not working the way they're supposed to work. So this is what he means by shutting them down. We need to reboot. we got to shut them down. But not just that. Now we got to restart them. we got to restart. That means rebooting. Here's what restarting means. To power back on. Start again anew. To refresh by making a new start, a new version, a new beginning, revive. It's like a lady is rebooting her career. So the next part to rebooting, once we shut these things down, when you turn it back on, you got to turn on the right programs and to keep the wrong ones off. This is rebooting and restarting, reviving is like 2019, God wants you 2.0. Or maybe it's you 3.0 or 4.0 or 5.0, whatever version of yourself you're working on, it's time to upgrade in 2019. And he says, I want you to reboot, power off the wrong things, shut down some things that you've been rehearsing in your mind that I never told you to rehearse. Shut down some things that you've been going over and over and over, so much so that you got the hourglass and it's bogging your mind out. You can't focus on anything new because you're focused on what has happened. He says, look over it, see something new, shut that down, and restart with what I speak to you. We're going to shut down some lies and we're going to boot up some truth. Turn the power off to deception of the enemy and turn the power on to what God says. Yeah. Turn the power on what he tells you. Power on to what he promises you. And this is what we're talking about here in doing this. And we're going, one of the ways we're going to do it, we're going to do it through our prayer and fasting. And we start this out the first 21 days of the year. We're going to start Wednesday officially. You can start whenever you want. We're officially going to start Wednesday and we'll go 21 days in January. And the purpose of prayer and fasting is because I believe these two things happen when you fast. Number one, you power off, you shut down some things from running. You say, okay, God, I'm going to shut down this, I'm going to take away from this, and I'm going to start up something different. So fasting is a great way to shut down some programs that need to be shut down. Now, you know, we get into it every time, and we talk about the importance of it, Uh, I want to look here in Galatians chapter 5. I just want to read this to you. I don't have time to read it to you. Go to Galatians chapter 5 on your time and read it. Here's what fasting is about. We have two issues in our our being, a spirit and a flesh, and the Bible says they are contrary one to another. One of the fruits of the spirit is probably one of the least publicized. It's down in verse 23, I think it is. One of the fruits of the spirits, self-control. Self-control. Do you know self-control is not a cuss word? It's, it's a fruit of the spirit. Fasting is an opportunity for us to grow the fruit of self-control. If we cannot control self, and the word self-control is very important. It's a Greek word. I don't have time to teach it all, but it's a Greek word that really means strength of something. Strength. So what God is saying, he's saying, I want to give strength. It's a fruit of the what? Spirit. Fruit of the spirit. So he's saying self-control is about strength in the spirit. Fasting is where we strengthen the spirit and we weaken the flesh. That's what it's totally about. So fasting is a time where I say, my flesh, about this time of year, every year, we've been doing it uh, since 2007. I started March of 2006, and we've done first part of the year fasting ever since then. So 2000, that's a long time ago. Anyway, 2007, when we've started, every year, my flesh starts to enter into the negotiation process. When this time is coming... It knows prayer and fasting is coming. My eyes can see the calendar, and my flesh starts to enter into negotiations, and he starts submitting an offer. Here's what I think you can do. Here's what I think you should do. I mean, you got a lot going on, Chad. You know, this time of year, and you got that going on, and a lot of a lot of things happening, and. And you you really, really, you probably shouldn't go too much. You just relax a little bit. You've been a little too intense. Last year you went too much. This year we go, my flesh always wants to negotiate. Be careful listening to your flesh telling you what to do on a fast. Because the flesh is the one that's going to be the sacrificial lamb of a fast. (laughs) So don't be surprised when your flesh doesn't want to do a fast. It's like, let me read this, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Jesus takes it for granted that his disciples will observe the pious custom of fasting. Strict exercise of self-control, according to Dietrich, is an essential feature of the Christian life. Such customs have only one purpose, to make the disciples more ready and cheerful to accomplish those things which God would have done. So why do we fast? It's Biblical fasting, again, is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose when we hunger and thirst for God greater than we do natural food. Here's what Wesley Duell said, a 20th century writer. He says, this is so important. You and I have no more right to omit fasting because we feel no special emotional prompting than we have a right to omit prayer, Bible reading, or attending church for lack of some special emotional prompting fasting is just as biblical and normal a part of a spiritual walk of obedience with God as are these others do we always feel like praying do you always feel like reading our bible do you always feel like going to church well don't be surprised when you don't feel like fasting and it's my responsibility there's all kinds of fast there's absolute fast which no drinking no food at all which again that's better have special instructions from heaven if you're going to do that there's food fast, which water only and eating no food. And then there's partial fasts where we don't only eat certain foods. And then there's what I call Western fasting. <laughs> Western, Western world fasting is how, how we like to Americanize everything. And we always Americanize towards our convenience. So we come up with different types of fasting that will be more convenient for us. Like I'm gonna fast Facebook. Okay, you can do without social media if you want. That's no shade on you, that's fine. But that's not fasting. Biblical fasting is doing without food. I'm not doing that to condemn or to compete. I'm just saying my responsibility is to teach the Bible. Because if if God's asking us to fast, you need to understand that God's asking you to dethrone kicked stomach. And so again, what you do, what extent, please don't come up and ask me if this is okay. You're not getting permission from Chad Everett. I'm just giving you an invitation. Because every year I need, I need this opportunity to kill my flesh. As I go into the new year, I want to stretch to say, God, last year was not enough. The things you did in my life up to this point, they're not enough, I want more. He says, okay. It's going to take some more discomfort. But, Lord, I want to reach places in my life with you that I couldn't reach before. He says, okay, then set yourself apart to me more. So I need it. My flesh doesn't want to accept the invitation, but but it's offering. And so I just extend it to you, my church family, to say, if you'd like to participate, free, you're free to do so. If you think it's anything about manipulation, then let me give you your free pass right now. Do not do it. Go on about your merry way and don't do anything. But don't come and try and explain to me why you can't. You don't have to justify anything to me. It's between you and God. Does that, does that make sense? But I believe God's asking us to do two things as we transition from 2018 to 2019. Number one, there's some things you need to forget. You need to look over. Some of you are stuck in a situation, in a mindset, in a thought process, and something that's happened. And your system is locked up. God says, I want you to forget it. Overlook it. Look over. And then I want you to stretch forward again. Stretch. Reach forward. There's something in front of you that's greater than where you are. And you will not be able to reach it unless you stretch. It's going to be uncomfortable. But sometimes you got to get out of seeing everything that you see right here. All you can see are the problems. All you can see are your failures. All you can see are your inadequacies. Sometimes all I can see is what I can't do. That's me. Sometimes all I can see are what I fail at. Sometimes all I can see is what I'm afraid of. Sometimes that's all it is for me. The only remedy is to begin to look over what's there. My fears aren't gonna go away. I used to think that. I used to think my fears would go away. (laughs) they haven't, God just asked me to look over them, see something bigger, see something. Because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is seeing fear and saying, I see something bigger. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep praying. I see you. I see you doubt. I see your discouragement. I see all of you, but I see something bigger. And that's my prize. That's my goal.